What's up, folks? Now, you guys are in for another treat here. It's another one of those coaching calls, which you guys get like to spy on somebody and secretly critique them on your way to work. Or maybe you pull this up on your iPad as you're driving and looking at their personal financial sheet, which you can do that on uh, YouTube. We've also put this on YouTube so you can see the spreadsheet and the numbers, how much they're making. This particular person we're talking about, net worth half a million they make a pretty good salary, $20,000 of income all, you know, all the other specifics you can see on the YouTube uh, channel. If you guys like and you guys don't want to join our exclusive family office Ohana mastermind group, which I don't know why you wouldn't if you're investing more than a quarter million, half a million dollars, I think it's a no brainer. I think it's freaking insurance for going out there and walking off the beaten path of getting out of traditional investments and into alternative investments with some of you guys invest with random strangers out there. It's crazy that just have a good website. But if you guys like these types of coaching calls, you guys can volunteer. Send us an email at team at Simple Passive Cashflow and we'll get you guys set up with them. We can change your name. We can even create a, put a face on you. Apparently Zoom can put faces on people and hide your identity pretty well. We also put all these coaching calls in the members portal, which you guys can get access to by signing up at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. If you sign up there, you get access to the members portal. And we have a page where we've arranged, I don't know, there must be like over a few dozen of these coaching calls all Nicely arranged by network. You can go by your net worth and find, start listening to this stuff and seeing your financial life unfold. Because as I've learned, people think they're special snowflakes, but in terms of money, it's the two big ones. What's your net worth and where's your monthly income coming in and what's your net? Everybody's on the same path and journey to financial freedom. And it's nothing special getting there. To me, I figured out the quickest and the safest way to get there. It's a way of smartly using debt. Some people are a little spooked out about using debt. Check out my article at Forbes. I wrote about debt. I think simplepassivecashflow.com slash Forbes. I have all my articles in there too. Enjoy the show, folks. Check out all these other coaching calls at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club, and then you'll get access to that. Reach out if you guys want to do one of these on your own. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Castle listeners. Today we are going to do a free coaching call for our buddy Nate here, who is also a Hui Do Pipeline Club member. And probably in the next 30 minutes, we're going to go through his personal financial sheet and get them a good action plan. And maybe this might be a good a good model for you to follow. Maybe it won't, but hopefully it helps one person along the way. So thanks for jumping on, Nate. No problem. Give us like a, a little overview. So I'm a DevOps engineer, which is essentially a system engineer. And I work on a website. Make With my bonus, I make 150000 My wife has a good job as well. So the two of us make pretty decent money for Bay Area. And then we have... We had two houses in California. One was our primary residence. So we sold that last year. And the other one was our old primary residence, which we are about to sell. I don't know. What else do you need to know? Some people are watching this on the YouTube channel, which yeah. I would recommend it. But for the podcast folks, we just tell them how generally how old you are. Just gotcha. So where you're at in life. And- Let's see. I've been married. I have a three-year-old son. We live in Berkeley, California. 
basically been doing what I do for in computers for about 10 years. I worked in biotech after that, before that for about seven years. Pretty simple. <laughs> Actually, it, it kind of is. It's, people don't know what parts of this are fake. They were trying to protect the, the identity of the real person if your real name is Nate, but if we just made that up. But this is a very typical example of a Bay Area investor. So I think this will help out a lot of people moving forward. So right now I have displayed on the screen the uh, personal financial sheet summary. A good overview, a lot of the other tabs feed into this one. A good overview of kind of what's happening, where are you at right now? Because different strategies work for different folks. You know, part of simple passive cash flow is it's very simple if you're high, high net worth, high paid professional. We'll start with some turnkeys and go on to syndications. But there's a lot of little different nuances along the way, a lot of different wealth hacks that mm-hmm. hopefully you can, we can get a good conversation on. But let's just figure out where you're at right now. So the upper left corner here is the app. So you've got some, you've got some uh, little bit of cash savings, hundred, little over 100 grand. And you got some real estate holdings, $600,000 property. Is it the primary residence or? No, we rent. So that's our current rental that we have. Okay. Good for you. I definitely recommend people rent in primary market. Yeah. We took that advice from you. Yeah. You guys want to read that article that I paid someone 500 bucks to write for me. It's simplepassivecastle.com slash home. Because I need, really need to get that message out yeah, we like it we actually have a it's a nicer house that we live in now and yeah. yeah i don't know if i told you to do that but usually you know here's the issue with buying a big primary residence you're taking that you know a hundred maybe even two hundred thousand dollars of down payment you could have bought five to ten rental properties each cash flow a couple hundred bucks at least a lot of spouses don't care about that they're like they want to own their home but then when you you show them our mortgage would have been 3000 let me up the ante and let me let's go around a place that's four or five thousand dollars because financially that makes more sense when you look at the numbers so that, that usually gets them my wife's completely on board she's pretty savvy with this or at least more so than i so. you'll be <laughs> successful in life i so here are liabilities and then stacks up with that the rental the six hundred thousand rental that's always paired mostly this uh three hundred and twelve thousand dollar mortgage i'm assuming that's that's connected so you're about 50% loan to value on that. Then. Do you have a HELOC on that thing? Are you tapping at equity or? Not at all. Right. Yeah. So that's some low hanging fruit and we can talk about that. Sources of cash. Here's like your cash flow. what's happening on a monthly basis. So you got about 20 grand coming in every month, which a lot of people would say is very high, but for Bay Area, that's pretty much average. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> and I'm just kind of curious, what is your, your how much you're paying for? My rent is 4,000. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not the nine. How are you getting oh. the 9,000 in there? That is also schooling for my son. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So between those two, it's about 65 or about 6,000. Okay. So yeah. the, the private school is what, like 30 grand a year, 40 grand a year? Let's see. It's about two eighteen fifty to two. Let's see, we changed it. So it's, yeah, it's anyways, about a little less than 2,000 a month. So about 25,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that's a lot of people in Hawaii have to do that because public schools are not the greatest here in Hawaii, but yeah. But yeah, you added right on there. That's I was like, whoa, you, man, you're really living in a mansion there. But looks like that, but that makes total sense, and that's a decision you guys make, and it's not a bad one. Yeah. So you're running. What I ask a lot of people a lot of time, I don't really care how much you make. It's more this the cell Q53, the delta between how much money you're making and how much money you're spending, and this is a very healthy number here you're, you're this says that you're able to save about 50 grand a year from average people you're like the top 0.10001 percent 
But I would say for most of my investors, that's probably, I don't have to say most people, but I'd say like the 50% of people who got their stuff going on the right way, they're upwards to that. So very good. And I would say when you're above the $50,000 level, depending how much net worth you already have, and if you've already been doing this a little bit, you're likely to be financially free in three to five years. So that's a great win right there. So we're shooting for. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me, well, change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ, and last and least impactful, Number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. But you got, you got some vacations on here. Is that kind of taken out of that? Big expenses. I think that's it. That's it gets me personally. I don't budget. We don't go on vacation. So we, yeah, we don't, yeah. We actually like our house. That's one of that's why we spend money on the house is because we like to be home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about other big ticket stuff that might sneak in and, and knock that five fifty grand down to 35? Yeah, that's pretty conservative. I think that's like, we're, we don't really do much. We just come home, cook, eat, enjoy, have friends over. So yeah, there's nothing really cars paid for so i walk everywhere oh, what kind of big ticket items are you thinking of that uh, maybe i'm missing something so well sometimes a lot of times for this is, i'm just speaking for myself my yeah. my own personal thing is i have a big net cash flow like how you do but sometimes big expense can come in especially if i go pay for something like a mastermind or something like that at the end of the year i'm like i should have had a lot more than this <laughs> the, the the rentals were cash flowing and everything but i didn't it didn't end up with how much I thought I would. There's holes in my pocket, but I just, I don't budget. I don't like that stuff. Okay. I think we kind of budget, but just, I think the biggest savings we have right now is we went from a nanny to, to putting our son in school. So that's probably 15,000 right there. Cool. So let's dig in here a little bit. You've got the uh, $100,000 in cash. So that would probably be the low hanging fruit there, but I know you probably want to, keep some of that in liquid cash, maybe about 20 to 40 grand there. Yeah, we were thinking 40, but yeah. Yeah, but there's definitely 50 in here that should be going out to something right away. Okay. Holy, so here's your, here's your rental property. And here's also some low hanging fruit. You've got about 50% LTV. Have you looked into doing a HELOC on this thing and tapping that equity? And these- so we could certainly do a HELOC on this, but we were thinking of selling it. That's actually a conversation I got you're interested in because... I don't know. I feel like selling it at this point is probably the best idea. But yeah, this, is this like a war zone property, a six hundred thousand dollar property in Oakland? It's in the foothills of Oakland, so it has. It's an actually nice property. You can see the San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge. It's pretty nice. 
It's just a, it's in a transitional area. It's not a dangerous area. And how much rental income is it bringing in? Every yeah, month? so that's the point because uh, we rent it out to somebody we know. So we just haven't covered the mortgage originally. And that was a mistake okay. on my part. Uh, and I don't want to raise the rent on him because I like the guy. But uh, he's, we've talked to him about it a bit. And at first he was like, oh, I'll pay more in rent because the Bay Area rent prices are ridiculous and he's getting a good deal. But then we thought about selling it and he's interested in buying it. So we're having that conversation right now. So. Yeah, they always say that. Okay, well, let's see how it goes. But here's what I, I, right now it's like April or May. You probably want to be selling this on the market in the summertime. That's when you're going to get peak price. California is like Hawaii. There's not really a season, but you definitely want to summertime when everyone's transit, kids are transitioning. I, I would, especially when you want to be political about this and get your friend out in a courtroom, the, the conversation should start yesterday. Uh, we started this conversation already about a month ago. So Yeah, I would just, you know, just from a manners perspective, third party, I would say, hey man, we'll look for, just start looking for a place. I'm going to check in two weeks or what you've been seeing and uh, we need to make a transition plan. I need you out in 45 days or whatever. Okay. Yeah, because then you can tap this. And I know the Oakland, the California market is getting a little soft, right? The last year. The mistake I think most people would make is you mentioned it. This is, you're probably buying on the line where you're in a transitional area and people say, it's going to go up. We can do the numbers later. And I don't think we're going to do it today. But, you know, if you were to take that $300,000 and go put it to something else, you're going to 5X that, whatever, if, you know, even if they build something cool right next door. Yeah. I'm not planning on this uh, appreciation on this anymore i think it's gone up a lot since we got it so we're comfortable and happy with where it's at yeah so you guys always had this as a rental i guess you don't have to say like deducting the depreciation all that stuff so this is actually our original primary residence and then we lived there for so i made a mistake when i sold it i didn't realize this. i made a mistake when i sold them i should have sold them in a different order and waited about a year because i think we could have done Missed the capital gains tax. But. When did you move out? We moved out of that one, 2016. You bought in 2012. You lived in there for four years. Yeah. I think the rule is as long as you live in it for the last three out of five years, you can qualify. Yeah. But talk to, talk to a CPA. I think the problem is that you can't take a capital gains tax two years in a row. I took one last year when we sold the other house. I don't know if you can take another capital gains tax. And you have to wait. I think you have to wait every other year. But it could be wrong. Not following. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But we paid, we, instead of paying capital gains on the last house we did, I, we, I don't know what the term is, but we didn't have to pay capital gains last year when we sold our primary residence, the, the old house we just moved out of. And then if we were to sell this house now, even if we, because we live there, I don't know if we could do that twice in a row. I think you have to wait every other year. Oh, I, I don't think it matters. Okay. That's good. That's great to know. But I'm actually unsure about this because I owned the property and I rented it out for a couple of years. Okay. And I think I made a mistake there. I should have moved in for a year and I wouldn't have to pay taxes on the gain. Or I don't know if you would have prorated it if that were the case. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to read about this too. That's that's one of the questions I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Just talk to to a CPA who does this all the time. Okay. You know, don't talk to a 1031 guy. They're just going to sell you on 1031. That's what they did to me. Yeah, I'm not interested in that either. So Yeah, yeah. It might be, I'm not suggesting, you, I don't call this tax evasion, but if you're like renting it out to a family friend, in a way, you're living there. I don't know, this might be a little borderline. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. But you know what I mean? Technically, you're living there, especially if you're doing this as a charity and it's a friend. Maybe just you guys move in 
for a year if they hit this three out of five year rule. What did you buy this thing for? Let's see the original purchase price. I probably should have. I probably should have started there. See, yeah, two ten. Yeah, see, there's a lot of capital gains there. $400,000 of capital gains. Have you guys been depreciating it every year on taxes? I think, I don't know for sure, to be honest with you. Her mom does the taxes. Uh-oh, sounds like <laughs> you need a new CPA. Or that's the difference. <laughs> I, I think that if you're depreciating it, you're definitely doing it the on the up and up way. And I don't think you can play these games where you know you have a family friend there and you're technically still living there. But I, I would like to be on the up and up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, but this is a big gain, right? 400 grand, 50% on. I don't think the 1031 is your answer. I don't like those at all. Okay. But it's not big enough to do like a delayed sale trust thing on it. You just might have to take it on the chin and just pay the taxes. But Spend the hour talking to the right person about this strategy and, hey, can I move in one to hit this one year to hit this three out of five year rule? Because you're really close to being. When did you say you moved out? 2016. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some something there. So look into that. Maybe shoot me an email later. I can connect you with my guy and you can ask him straight up. Okay. So I'm saying you have 50 grand from your liquidity and then potentially another after commission, you're going to have maybe another 200 there comfortably. So 250 at very least you have to deploy. And then this is the same one, right? Yeah. Same. It's just the, I think I auto include that. So that, that's your war chest, but I think where you're at, you, do you have any experience with any kind of out-of-state rentals or anything like that? Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was originally looking for one-on-one coaching in the mastermind group. Yes. So I think you're looking at your net worth. And yeah, I think actually didn't even look at your net worth. But now that it makes sense, you're in this limbo land. I don't know if eventually you know, your guy's salary is high enough and you're that private places are going to be your thing. And you're obviously very busy, but I would, I think your next pass would be pick up a turnkey rental and just get some experience under your belt. Okay. That's what I was thinking, but yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. We've got some bullets and now we need to figure out how we're going to go acquire these things and go acquire some properties. So what, are, what is, what have some things you've done so far and then what's your tentative action plan? What have I done so far is join the mastermind group. No, I've been reading, you know, different things, read your website. You know, there's uh, I'm putting a point where I need some guidance. I don't know exactly sure where to start. So that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you right now. So Okay, okay. No, that makes total sense. Because most times people they they'll come into the mastermind after they'll listen to the podcast for sure, but then they'll they'll be they'll be doing some books and podcasts for about a few months to six months. And they've already got, got a formulated plan in their head. They're gonna, they learn about turnkey rentals they, or they, and they already re- have that realization. I'm sure you have already done this where you you live in the Bay Area. You're not going to find anything in the state that's going to cash flow. That's not a D-class. For sure. Yeah. So the next step, logical step is, like, all right, where do we buy? Are there any markets in your head that you're eyeing? So I know the markets that people say that are interesting or you should look at, but I don't know how those decisions are made. That's one of the, one, one of the main questions I was trying to figure out right off the bat was like, how are people finding markets and what markets do and why are they finding them? Why, why is that a particular market like Kansas city, Indianapolis? I know, I know I've, I've read of some of the stuff that people say, but I wouldn't know if you give me a map, like where do I begin looking at it and, and finding a good market? Yeah. The simplistic way I put it is you're trying to find properties in secondary markets with robust economies. 
So secondary markets are places like Kansas City, Memphis, Indianapolis, Atlanta. You can categorize it by like population size too. You know, not like the mega cities, but like at least 100,000 people. Good size. And then of course, pair that with the robust economy. So Detroit's a secondary market, but it's not a very robust economy. So that part I understand. How would you find out? How do you prove to yourself that this economy is robust? Like for instance... Kansas City, Indianapolis. What are you looking at to prove to yourself that, oh, this is a robust I know why you would probably say Detroit's not. But, um. You just look at, one thing I look at is like Fortune 500 companies in that area. What kind of industries is it? Like Las Vegas is not a very economically diverse city. It's, it's a lot of tourism. There was a, a cool chart I had in the, uh, the last investor quarter letter video and site, simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor quarterly yeah, i can i'll display that real quick is that the one from last night or yeah yeah one from last night but i don't have a i don't have a list for you but but my thing is there's already a list out there it's fun a spoken list that people are like or we just like to stay in these types of areas yeah and the nice thing about that is that there's already if you follow the footsteps what other people have done you don't really have to recreate the wheel there's already property managers there's brokers yeah that was one of the that's like one of the questions i had too is if you're investing out of state how are you finding contractors and this is through your network so here's that 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 image the green ones are supposedly more diversified job markets the red ones are not i don't really agree with salt lake being a diversified market and i also don't agree with atlanta atlanta's got it all it's got like class c worker blue collar workers working in industries manufacturing like mercedes plants and stuff like that and it's got your, your lot of white collar workers too a very diversified market that's why you, you I think bloomberg made this thing i, I just taken a lot of data points and you see the same things pop up again and again but then you're also looking for tertiary markets too because it, even the secondary markets everybody is flocking to now so of course on this one for us as they say buffalo is could bar side market but then isn't that the one where the population went from five hundred thousand down to like two hundred fifty thousand in the last 15 20 years or something like that? well you might be right but i already am not even looking at it because it's a primary market brilliant okay i mean baltimore is dc right buffalo yeah primary market okay not, not to say you can't it's not going to appreciate but that's just not the game i play or what i recommend yeah i was just thinking at looking at this map that stuck out to me when i saw it the first time yeah yeah, so you, that's my recommendation. And then just taking this map, right? Kentucky, Memphis, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Atlanta, Jacksonville. You've, what you're trying to do is you're trying to narrow it down to a couple or at least one that you're going to go in there and build relationships with brokers, property managers. You can't do multiple. You can't do three or more. Yeah, I'll type that. Yeah, so, so you're being a typical engineer, and this is what I do too. You're like, all right, I'm going to start with this big funnel. I'm going to start with 30 markets and I'm going to pick the best. I, okay. the, the, that's going to surely take you a long time. And you're likely to arrive at the same answer okay. where you're like, you know what? Screw it. Everybody talks about these five. I'm going to pick from those five and just whittle it down to the one or two. Okay. I think that's the better approach. Okay. But engineers, we like to get all these data. And in the Hui share drive, there's all kinds of data from way back when you get all kinds of power rankings and whatnot. But I don't know why I even put that in there. It just confuses you guys even more. Okay. But the, the time and energy should be spent on 
connecting with brokers and property managers. Okay. How do you find, let's say in Kansas city or something like that, how would you go ahead and find a broker and property managers just through your network again? Yeah. Yeah. People referrals. And this is why I always say it's the most important thing is to network with other passive investors, people like you and me, because those are the people who are going to have the pass pay for you. But here, the problem is you can't just, man, these guys, like there's a, we have that free Facebook group guys. You pay for what you get for some of, some of these guys. They just ask for what brokers are you working with? Man, I'm not going to help you out. You're just like a taker, but it's hard in the beginning because you don't know very much. So you need to get educated. You need to do, put in some work. So you, there's an even value exchange. So you can go to a little bit more astute investor who potentially has a big vendor list and become friends. And how do you do that? There's no tricks to it. You just become, build a relationship, a genuine relationship. Go freaking figure. Makes sense. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of tricks and hacks to get this from people or get it on your own. But I don't think it's sustainable because what you want to do is you want to try and build a mini micro tribe of a few guys all investing. Like for me, it was like Birmingham. There were like a few people that are all investing in Birmingham. We all knew who the property managers were. And then if something went, someone wasn't performing, we'd all move like a mini flock to a different one or we knew who to tell. Gotcha. So that's the more sustainable model. And hopefully when these guys get tired of turkey rentals and go to bigger stuff, you have that solid relationship to move forward with them. Okay. But any other tangible, more uh, granular stuff I left out there? I know that's high level, right? That's, it's more esoteric. Yeah. I don't know. I just like the process of just getting started. It's start looking at some of these properties that they have, call them up. Yeah, I guess that's the process. I don't, that's what I'm asking is find someone in, our, in the network and ask like maybe, hey, who do I contact in Kansas City per se or Indianapolis? And then just kind of start to start talking. These people are be more than happy, I'm sure, to sell it. But from what I understand, it, like these things go pretty quick. That's what I'm seeing on the mastermind. Like their properties come up and then they go pretty quick. So you have to know what you're looking for. And uh, you know, if you're in the mastermind, I'll help you out for sure. I've got my vendor list. I, I keep it close to the chest. Man, people like, I, I like talking with people and doing those free intro calls just to get to know people. But I don't know, like I, lately I've been a little worried of just, like, all right, I use these guys in Birmingham, use these guys in wherever, because these are my relationships. I don't want to send a jerk over who just is going to call up eight different turkey providers and waste guys time. Yeah. So that's what I'm thoughts are. You're in the mastermind. I'll help you out. I'm always working to build new relationships. I'm actually working on a new one in, Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania. Is that where you had your first, that one? Yeah, I think you had a property in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that relation came from. We worked on some deals out there and then they're pretty helpful. So I trust them and that's what's more important. And and if I can build like a long-term relationship where they know that a lot of you guys will come back, then that's a good solid relationship that it's more of a long-term thing. But I don't, I want you guys to struggle a little bit because this is how you can learn how to do it. But I also want you guys to hit success, right? So there's a balance between how much I help you guys. If you want me to do everything, yeah, I can. Do, I guess I can do everything. But maybe that might change in the near future as my bandwidth fills up. But the more you struggle, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you'll pro- progress 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And you're, yeah, but I think what, I'm, what I try and do is, so I'll set you up with some good reputable people so you don't have to go dumpster diving through the whole list of turnkey providers. At least you're working with people who are decent, right? They're honest people. Then what I suggest is like you just get their inventory list and then you just see where the waterline is. Because when I was buying, I was 
$90,000 properties, they're renting for $950. So I knew I had it all in a scatter chart and I knew 1.1 rent to value ratio. That's my number. I don't know where that is today. I mean, I know where it is because I see where I have you guys do this spreadsheet. Yeah. And, and this is where even where the waterline is, what a good deal is. You're not going to find an amazing deal. It's turnkey rentals, but you don't want to get a sucker deal. So okay. when a good deal comes up, you've got to act pretty quickly, which may be in a matter of a few hours or a few days, depending on what kind of relationship you build with them again. And then you pull the trigger. But I think more, more times than not, a newer investor thinks that they need to close on the property. But for me, it's more, there's a good chance, maybe 30% chance you probably, there's something that comes up in due diligence that you can't work, negotiate your way through. Okay. So sense. I'm probably a lot quicker to put a contract under, I'm more certain, I'm more, all right, lock it up. Let's put in, go under contract and let's get that inspector in there and let's see what's under the, the hood okay. so I can act quickly. And that's how you should be able to get. Okay. Fair enough. It's dating, right? Like it's been a while. The, the strategy goes, you don't get married after the, before asking him on a date, on a lot of dates, same thought here. I gotcha. Just cause you go on a date and ask, doesn't mean you're going to get married. For sure. Any other questions on, you know, just, picking pro- you know, properties up and that kind of... Yeah, so I think the other question I had was if you're... So the recommendation is always to get it from you is to get a turnkey to start, but then like a high level, what do you? what's the progression there? So you get a turnkey, you get, get comfortable working out of state and then I don't want to keep buying turnkeys so they're probably not the best, you know, like we're, we're talking about, right? They're not that, they're not the best, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And, but the beauty of this is once you get one turnkey and you get it going... Yeah. Sometimes they don't work out. I would say like one out of three times you might buy a dud. It just gives you some problems. Mm-hmm. But overall, you're, you're hitting that nice returns on average. Okay. Definitely way better than the stock market. That's what you're talking. But okay. then here's the path. And a lot of the investors that I started working alongside when I started, there's this path of do you do the whole birth strategy, uh, buy, rent, rehab, refinance, which I'm not a fan of at all for high net worth individuals to be buying like 50,000 pieces of junk because the exit strategy isn't there. Like you can have a, a portfolio of 40 properties of 600 or $60,000 each, but that's cash flowing. But there's a cap X that's going to hit you on this stuff somewhere between year five and 15. And now you're going to pay back all these returns. It's just not a sustainable way of investing, but it's a way of doing it. And I guess nothing wrong to you if you can prove me wrong with the numbers, but you're going to go down this path of burring and creating value that way, because maybe you, you like doing that. And this is where you start to do it and you start to figure out if you like it and if you're good at it. Me personally, I don't like it. And because I don't like it, I don't spend the time doing it and I never got really good at it. Okay. So that's why I went to being a more passive and a bigger deal. And that's a progression. I gotcha. But we don't know until you do this prerequisite. Yeah, this is sure. the pre-calc to ease and calculus. Gotcha. All right. So I'm not, so not going to let you go buy. Hey, Lane, they want to sell me. You know, I have a quarter million dollars. That means I can buy one, two, three, four, eight. I can buy 12 rental. You probably buy 12 rental, pretty solid ones tomorrow. I would probably be like, no, don't do that. At most, maybe buy four. And let's okay. pause and think and let's come back and talk six months to a year from now where you where do you want to go you know what's your thoughts and feelings and how things are progressing okay so that's you know with that said i don't think you're going to be able to invest that quarter million dollars in the next six months maybe probably even a year okay so what 
What's a good recommendation for parking that then instead of just having sit in savings? I like HP is a, a good one. Simplepassivecashflow.com slash HP. They don't sponsor me anymore, unfortunately, but yeah, I, I still think it's a good place to store some cash. For you, I wouldn't stick more than a hundred grand in there. Okay. I think let's just say, let's just assume now I'm getting more strategy, high level strategy where the money okay. comes from. I would take the money out from your liquidity and invest it as soon as possible. What is that? The 80 grand. And in the back of your head, you could pull a HELOC you need from that rental property. Oh, yeah. So I would totally be fine with you running your liquidity from your cash reserves pretty low, maybe even 10 grand. See what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. We're still saving a decent amount every month. So Yeah, yeah. And the house sale, maybe you delay that a little bit to next year. I don't know. That one's a tough one. It's not like... I see a lot of guys with big 401ks. You don't have that. Don't have a... My wife has a 403B. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where is that? Up but she's still at the employer, right? Nope. No, that's, she's out of that one. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Where did that one go? So if you go to the summary, up a little bit, right there, it's like uh, 24. Okay, okay, okay. So she has left her employer. Whatever you don't roll it over into a new TSP or 403B or 401k. Yeah, she's what, just sits there. I would take that out. If if you had more than $150,000, dollars I would be very strategic on how you take that out. Like take it slowly. You have to look at your okay, how taxes. There's brackets, right? There's like yeah. four brackets. You're probably in the second to the highest one now. I don't know how they exactly fall. Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, probably close. Yeah. So if you take this thing out this year, you'll probably go into the highest one or maybe even the second highest one. We want to keep you just from going in that next one. So okay. see what I'm saying? You got to be strategic on how much you take out of that thing this year. I gotcha. Yeah. So say, I don't know what the AGIs are. They change all the time. And I don't know what it is for a married couple. What's AGI? Sorry. Adjusted gross oh, okay. income. Gotcha. So let's just say the highest one starts at 250 and right now you're at 200 okay. yeah. as your AGI. I would maybe take of this 91,000, I would take 50 grand. So you just stay below that. And then the next, the plan for next year is to take the other 40. So you're always slipping under the radar that the red. So we're over 250 though. So well, I don't, I don't know. You have to look oh, at the, where gotcha. the tax bracket gotcha. lie. Yeah. Um, a CPA should be able to help you out with it. Okay. But they're not, CPAs are not strategy guys. That's yeah. where you got me. But I don't know the, the exact brackets but you get the gist of yeah, what i'm sure. talking about you're smart you can figure it out so that would be a way to play that to take it out slowly because you look you're not gonna we're already in halfway through the year you're not gonna be able to deploy something you're not gonna be able to deploy you're not gonna i don't see you buying more than three houses in the next six months so this okay. is probably a 2020 plan okay but then also remember you also have to have be thinking about this in the back of your head like i do think you should sell that house right away yeah. So that three hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars of gains comes right on your your income. So if you're gonna do that's gonna blow up your AGI. Yeah. So I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't take out that four hundred three B money. You okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, with that house sale, you can't be strategic in how you take it out. You got to take it all. Out. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I think I could have done that differently, but that's how you pay to learn. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I clear here? You get the fundamentals, right? What I'm trying. Yeah. To- so I guess the question on the four hundred three B is: Do you get penalized when you pull it out? Is there? I don't know how that works. 
Yeah. Number one, you get finally assess the the taxable income, right? Because this is yeah. all post tax. You don't pay taxes on the low. But yeah, there is a ten percent penalty. But I wouldn't call it a penalty. We've had this conversation. My wife and I have had it before. So. Yeah, it, it, it is a very like emotional conversation because people think it's like a sin to take money out and, and they call it penalty. penalty. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. But the numbers don't lie. If you can make money, if you make 20 or 30% in a turkey rental, who cares about the 10%? You'll make that back in 12 months and the rest is all gravy. Yeah, good point. So okay. follow, do the numbers yourself. The numbers yeah, yeah. tell you what to do. Gotcha. But if you're going to be selling a house... Maybe I would hold off on it because you don't need that money anyway. Not right away, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would, you have a lot of liquidity and you don't, that you're not going to be able to allocate right away. So for folks like yourself, I would look into doing like a infinite banking. Yeah. Looking forward to that part of the, when we get yeah. there. I, I think your net worth isn't, it's there, but the fact that you have a hundred grand or more ready to go, but you're not going to be able to allocate it right away. I don't see you allocating more than, 50 grand this year. I don't, uh, you're not going to buy more than two houses. Okay. I think we can both agree to that. 2020, I don't really see you allocating more than 150. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So if we plan 2019 and 2020 that you're going to go on with a quarter million dollars, you're going to have some excess. What I'm recommending is taking a look at that excess and putting a fraction of that into life insurance where this stuff where you have to put it in one out of six years, yeah. it's, you have to commit, right? So I'm not a life insurance originator, you know, like, but I know the strategy. Yeah, I listened to the podcast you had. I think you had a podcast on that. Not too, I think you, maybe you didn't write it, but. Yeah, this, but if you, I just want to communicate like the strategy there. Like you're not going to be using this liquidity right away. You're not even going to tap it in 2020. So you got to do okay. something with it. Yeah, yeah, AHP is an option, but the nice thing about the the like the infinite banking is super awesome in the once you have it set up three to six years in the future. But it really sucks because there's it's really fee heavy in the beginning. If you put in a hundred grand, you might have to pay thirty grand in fees. I see. But for like lower net worth guys who have to look under their uh, couch for coins to pick up that first rental at twenty five thousand dollars down payment that obviously doesn't make any sense for them but you're inefficient here and so you, yeah. my my play is to take the inefficiencies and the, the extra five grand actually 20 grand or whatever put it into life insurance for now okay. to build it up i see don't go bonkers with it but it, it, it i always say start with a smaller one and you understand how it works because you know? yeah. in theory is always different than in practical use and seeing the statements coming in, oh, I get this. Now, now, I can ta- now I can take a loan for myself. Oh, this is why they call it infinite banking. I get it. Finally get it. Like a year later. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, yeah, I think that's from a high level. That's like kind of the one, two-year strategy right there. Okay. So now I just got to work on getting the two two houses this year. That's the immediate goal, but that's your kind of your one, two-year. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, any other questions you had off the top of your head or? The questions I have probably not interesting on the podcast. There's a one-on-one coaching stuff. Yeah, it's more, I think after this more granular, right? But you have, there's a path, there's definitely a path forward. I I think after the two years, I I see you getting maybe like three, four houses and then also maybe the middle of 2020, maybe play around with a deal to syndication and just seeing how that is. And then Mm -hmm. now you can like be like, whoa, I like this a lot better. I'm pretty sure your syndication is better. It's just better than 
direct operating. Okay. Even though the returns are a little less, but it's just not worth the time ex exchange. Okay. So you'll just go into more and more deals. I, I would say probably like three, four years from now, because you're especially saving 50 grand a year, I'm sure that's going to go up. You're like, you're going to get into this rhythm of going into a deal every maybe two or three deals a year. And obviously that's going to take a while to build up like a war chest of a dozen, two dozen deals of $50,000 positions in each deal. That's, it's a sustainable model and not all the deals are going to go well, not all of them, but I think on the average, your, what's your goal here? I, mean, I guess we didn't talk about that. I mean, why, what's my goal as far as passive income or as far as why I'm here trying to learn this stuff? Yeah, passive income. I guess it would be something around 10K. So that my living expenses are covered basically. So I can live the life I have right now and not have to worry about it. Going to work. I can go to work. I probably will, but I don't want to, you know. So if I press the, the Fed, like the infinity time stone, and I could just fast forward right now with the liquidity you have in hand and the equity you have in hand, you could probably be, if I just take your assets and times you know, 10%, you could probably be 500. You could probably be halfway there today. So there's a little bit of work to do. I took $500,000 of deployable equity. That's what I figure times point one. So you're halfway there. So it's just a matter of deploying into another half a, half a million dollars. And that's just going to take you, if you keep saving $50,000 a year, that's going to take you another 10 years, but it's not going to take you that. Yeah. It's going to take you like less than half that. So I see you FI probably in five years. Okay. That'd be great. That'd be totally, completely happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. In the next couple of years, you, you, it's not going to be like you just quit cold turkey. It'll probably be like a transition of maybe you start working less or spouse stop works a little less or whatever yeah she likes her job good for her we're all happy for her <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we can get you out of your job uh, any kind of last parting thoughts or questions no i just really just want to say thank you man i've been listening to your podcast for probably about two years and i've been busy because i have a three-year-old now he's in school so i have some more time so i appreciate being able to join the mastermind and doing this call yeah just thanks yeah, yeah, I, I would give you uh, props there. And like most people in the, not only mastermind, but the investor club in general, they're either younger than 30 or older than 40. It's those, like when you guys have those young kids, I don't have kids, so I don't know. I'm just speculating to see how you get these data points. But when you guys have kids, there's, you guys just disappear off the face of the earth. You guys mm -hmm. don't do anything other than focus on that, which makes sense. But yeah. it is, I think that's, if you were to take, that perspective is you're doing it at the hardest time. Nobody does what you're doing now. That's right. I'll take that. But the whole thing is if you do the right things, it's very simple. It's like swimming. Like I don't swim very well. So I look like I'm like drowning. I can get from point A to B pretty quickly, but I'm going to get tired. But if you look at the most effective swimmers, like it doesn't even look like they're working. They're mm. so efficient. So that's the idea to get you to like that, like a graceful dolphin, but invest. Nice. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, if you guys like this, shoot me an email. Let me know if we haven't had a chat. Book a call and join the We Do Pipeline Club and check out the Mastermind Club at, at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time.